electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. It's Jim Cramer here. You're listening to the opening bell of CNBC's Squawk on the Street. Don't miss a minute of the action. Good Thursday morning. Welcome to Squawk on the Street. I'm Carl Quintanilla with David Faber at the New York Stock Exchange. Kramer's working out of D.C. this morning. A lot to get to with Jim as all-time highs are once again in sight. Tensions with Iran appear to be settling down. Phase one signings on track for next week. Got upgrades for names like Goldman, Coke, Starbucks, AMD, Macy's, and more. Europe's mostly green tenure back to 188. Our roadmap begins with the geopolitical relief rally. Gold drops, oil stabilizes, stocks set for new records at the open. Plus, banks were in focus this morning. This is Bank America calls Citigroup its, quote, pick of the decade. And retail's mixed holiday report cards. The CEO of Ulta is going to join us at Post 9 this hour. So we'll begin with stocks on track to open at record highs, helped by the apparent cooling of tensions between the U.S. and Iran. Also adding to positive sentiment, China confirming that the vice premier will head to Washington next week for the signing of that phase one trade agreement with the United States. Jim, it's going to be busy next week between that and uh, the kickoff of corporate earnings. It sure seems like everybody believes that everything's going to be good. The uh, sheer mention of the banks is really underestimated. There are so many people who are saying buy these. Why does that matter? That's who kicks off earnings season. So already the expectations are very high. They better deliver after this run. And that's what these upgrades are mostly all about. I mean, specifically on uh, the banks, Goldman getting not one upgrade, but two today out of uh, Buckingham and B of A as B of A goes to uh, or Bama goes to 270 from 245. So um, what needs to be delivered next week to ratify these calls? Well, you have a one-two punch. You have to have a much better than expected quarter from Goldman. And then January 29th, they break down this new structure. And the structure really is supposed to give you a lot more transparency. The structure that Goldman has is basically the structure that it had when I worked there uh, 30 years ago. Uh, You have to upgrade, update, and what they're going to do is present some steady streams. Right now, their earnings are viewed as too episodic, too cyclical. Steady streams from the consumer and from the credit card, where I think January 29th are going to tell you how great the Apple relationship is going. That's going to be big. And, of course, J.P. Morgan really kicks it off on Tuesday. Yeah, Yeah. and J.P. Morgan, of course, has been the best performer of the group in many ways and does trade at the highest multiple, uh, typically, which is why you get a Bank America this morning saying positive things about Citigroup in the sense of it trades at a 22% discount to its money center peers, Jim. Um, They talk about the 20s. I still stop. Yeah, we're in the 20s now. Uh, as a decade of transformation for Citigroup, like we saw with JPM and other money center banks that prioritize investing in their U.S. consumer business. You believe that? No, it's not really the orientation. <laughs> City doesn't really want that. City wants to do the opposite. City wants to be able to, they've got United States, they're a good consumer presence. They can be the worldwide bank. Michael Corbett, has just sat there and bought 8% of the stock over and over and over again and told you they are doing everything right and the street is wrong. Suddenly, the street not only recognizes how good Corbett does, and I do like Corbett, but he's going to do great for the next decade. David, how do you determine that in 2029, City is the one to be in? 
You can't. You, I, I don't. I don't have any idea how you make a call for the decade, other than the fact that you get us talking about it three minutes into our show, which I guess is good for you. If you're well, how about the century? For a little David, bit of publicity. The century? Why not so the why century? Not? Why not? Why not the? I'm going to make a call of the century. Well, which century? We're already 20 years in, so uh, to, only got 80 years to go. That's too easy. I mean, I, I just really think that they yeah. limited themselves when they talked about the next next 10 years. That's short term. I, I, I tend to agree. They they think more like Massa in 300 year increments or. <laughs> Jack Ma, of course, as well, sort of wanted three centuries to be a part of uh, Alibaba, then right, the 1900s. But, but, uh, David, look, the truth is, is that Corbett's been saying over and over again, we have got domestic under control. We've got all these great revenue streams. The street doesn't understand what we're doing. We're going to buy 8% of the stock back because we're a tangible book. When we buy stock, the, the value of the company goes up. Now they're above tangible book. Where were all these people, David, when the stock was at 60 and the only person who liked it was me? Where were they? I don't know, Jim. I don't know where they were. They were hiding. They weren't ready to make their calls of the decade. They were in J.P. Morgan. They love. They love Jamie. Hey, is Jamie going to be the CEO of the decade, 2029? You know what? My guess is we will be at the middle of this decade, and he will still be the CEO. Amazing. There's that yeah, staying I think five power. more years. But I he invented the bank. Right. When you have a founder, David, founder stays. Based on what oh. I've heard. Oh, yeah. No, do, Jamie, oh, no, was he, he the founder? founder? No. He wasn't the founder? No, I don't think so. There's this Morgan. guy who was pure point, James yeah, Morgan. Of course, don't forget, it is also for Chicago, Chemical, Manny Hanny. I'm forgetting. I know I'll Ohio. forget some of the others. Uh, J.P. Morgan, Chase. There's many others in there. Bank One. Maybe he was the founder of one of those. He no, had he to have been because the staying power he, he has indicates that he couldn't have just been an appointed CEO. Uh, it does bring to mind what Clarita said this morning, Jim, uh, regarding the banks, namely that the economy is still in a good place. Uh, strong labor markets not putting undue pressure on inflation. Uh, claims today, 214, which has come way down from 252 at the beginning of December. Uh, I love this line, Jim, out of Clarita. The consumer in aggregate has never been in a better condition. Uh, that's a strong word from a Fed vice chair. Yeah, I mean, I wish you didn't say that because I don't want to hear that. Uh, that sounds like the top. But if you go over Lennar's quarter, which is really a thing of beauty, this is one of the largest home builders. They're talking about how Jay Powell, Fed chairman, when he started cutting rates, he reversed what could have been a very bad time. So Jay created uh, a kind of not so great market beginning October 4th of last year of, of 2018. And now he's brought it full circle. Uh, the rate cuts are working. A lot of the naysayers thought that they wouldn't. They turned out to be wrong. And now we have a decent market based on the fact that people were wrong. Uh, Witness Tesla. I, I, it's it's still at three minutes in, and we haven't mentioned Tesla, and, and that's well, a we're going to get to we're going to get Phew. to the, the Baird uh, downgrade in, in the case of Tesla, and yeah. of course Bob Lutz on Squawk uh, again after joining us yesterday talking about what the company's finally doing right. But uh, at the same time, Jim uh, Clarita says that the repo operations may be extended at least through April now uh, to get us through tax season. I mean, how much of this is a, a prop, uh, a, a, basically a crutch that the market's leaning on? Well, uh, look, I think that that's some of it. I also think that they kind of botched it. You know, some of the stuff I want to work on for Mad Money down here would indicate that. I, I just think it is just still one more prop. There's still a lot of props, but we've got to go back to what we said at the beginning, which is that we were three days ago believing we were in World War Three. There were a lot of World War Threeers. Uh, that war, the World War Threeers right now are off the table, and as long as they're off the table, we can have this kind of bountiful rally. Yeah. Uh, Pence on the Today Show uh, did say that, the, or maybe it was Fox this morning. He did a couple of different interviews yes, yeah. that the world would look much different right now 
if there had been casualties mm -hmm. at those two bases. So, I mean, the old phrase, dodge a bullet, in a, to a large and degree, is appropriate. Without a doubt. Uh, Apparently, given the reporting, there, were, uh, there was a, a heads up, or at least there was an, a, a period of time in which the U.S. Uh, had opportunities right. to make sure people found safety, which is a good thing as yeah. well. But, Jim, listen, it doesn't mean we're over uh, in terms no. of the tensions no. with Iran. Far from it. I mean, our goal is, of course, to prevent them from getting a nuclear weapon. They right. are, once right. again, I believe, on the road to enriching uranium. It's, it's not as though the larger context of what we're trying to do has been achieved. It hasn't. No, and, and that's probably one of these things where uh, we, we're tweeted away at all. We still, like, I've got him on the, yeah, I follow uh, the president on Twitter. I'm down here, not that's the only reason why I'm looking at it, but I just want to be sure that the rally can continue because we're not talking about Iran. The discourse will be entirely difficult, uh, different. And the only thing, uh, I, I think something happened at Kohl's that makes me think that they're, uh, the people who shopped there were more concerned that Iran didn't go well. Well, yeah. I don't know if you want to do retail now or save it for the B, but between Kohl's, JCP, limited brands, I mean, we're in that, it's one of those days where we pay attention, in, at least in retail, Jim, uh, to the losers. Oof. Yeah, we got to have nuts. You know, Michelle Goss, that was a terrible quarter. Uh, it, it, I, I'm not, it just terrible holiday season. It, they don't have a lot of traffic. Women's hurt them. But they are so bullish on themselves that uh, it, it's almost kind of like they're in a parallel universe. I mean, they're the worst, but if you read the release, you think that they had a dynamite quarter, dynamite holiday season. Yeah, well, we should tell people, uh, uh, comparable store sales for fiscal November and December 19, what they call the holiday period, were down 2% over the same period last year. Well, that's uh, 0.2%, 0.2%, excuse me. Macy's was good. Right, Macy's, uh, uh, and they're at the low end now of their previously announced guidance of 475 to 495, which excludes 22 cents a share. In the, uh, due to the extinguishment of debt and impairment, store closings, and other costs recognized in the first nine months of the year. Uh, we're not going to hear from them until uh, March 3rd, so Graceful. we got a while. But, yeah. Jim, this follows what was not a good last quarter, of course, for Kohl's when we watched the stock decline as well. Well, but David, they did this tie-up with Amazon, where you can return things to Amazon. It feels yeah. like people returned things to Amazon and then ran out of the store. Uh, I, I just... And baffled that they do initiative after initiative. And look at this stock. Now they do have a good balance sheet and they've got a good dividend. The dividend is safe. But Kohl's is just roadkill. Uh, not unlike yesterday, Walgreens, roadkill. And we're really getting who's roadkill and who's not. Uh, and, and you compare this to Costco. 9% increase in one month. And Costco is so non uh, they never hype themselves. They just deliver after deliver after deliver. The Kirkland brand, I know a lot of people, maybe you too, David, think that it is the premium brand. That's their house brand. Uh, it was a remarkable quarter. That stock is, that stock is in a one-way one -way collision with 330. Yeah, uh, Costco, uh, uh, December sales are out. I see B of A now uh, is cutting coals to neutral. Price yeah. target 50. They see something they don't like, huh, Carl? <laughs> channel checks. The stock was 75 in April, uh, Jim. Well, and look, then I, uh, largely blaming a women's apparel. Uh, Bamel says that they're going to have to spend a lot more on promotions and uh, attracting customer traffic. Look, they're just trying to stay in the game. Uh, my travel trust had a huge hit when it ran. We kept some. Uh, it, that was clearly a mistake. They don't know what to do. I mean, their strategy is they need to come into work every day and say, uh, anybody got anything? You guys got anything? I don't know. I don't, anything there? I, other company, Macy's. Jeff Gannett 
delivered what he said he was going to deliver. And he's got an analyst day. And he's going to talk, talk a better story. Coles, uh, I'm speechless. I'm speechless. Yeah. Wow, there it is. You really were speechless for, <laughs> I counted at least points, point zero six seconds. No speech. Yeah. Literally no, no speech. How'd that happen? No. I, 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 I thought it was... In- <laughs> I'm as, I'm as quiet as the registers at Coles. <laughs> Ooh, that's you, cold, you, man. You, you mentioned uh, Macy's Gym. Atlantic takes it to neutral, ups it to neutral, uh, says the company can now comfortably meet their guidance. We got uh, some of their uh, guidance yesterday. Um, interesting. We got an upgrade today of last year's best name, AMD, out of Mizuho. Yeah. And oh, one well, of the worst, that's what we needed. That's uh, what we needed, an upgrade from AM, on AMD. That was a fatuous <laughs> upgrade. I mean, they, they could have made that upgrade that 20 points ago. It is amazing to me that people are still rec- starting to recognize that Queens' own Lisa Sue is doing a good job. There are two leaders in this country from Queens, right, David? Uh, yes, there are. Yes, there are. You still think uh, President they, Trump's the leading leader? Yeah, no, he, he is. He's from Jimmy. Yeah. I mean, they do admit they, they missed the Q4 run. They go to 55 from 38. But in, in this case, Jim, it's largely about the server market. Uh, they say that the price targets are in the rearview mirror. Intel's got some, pl- some supply issues of their own. Intel can't make these chips. I mean, supply. What is going on at Intel? They were the premier manufacturer. You know the two premier manufacturers in this country, Boeing and Intel. Those were the companies that everybody said, you know what, if you want to make something, no one makes it better. Wow. I mean, isn't it incredible how times have changed? I would point out, you did this as your mad dash on. I think it was Monday, right? We we talked about AMD. Right. uh, And, of course, I did point out. If you had a favorite stock of the the last decade, this was it. I don't know if it's going to be your decade pick for the 20s. But it certainly was for the 10s. Well, I just believed in what Lisa's Starting Lisa sort of 15. She laid out the roadmap 16. for me. Actually, she read me the riot act, candidly. Uh, when the stock was at 5, uh, she took me aside and basically, I don't say she called me a moron because my name is Jimmy Chill, starting in 2020. And Jimmy Chill got a real mouthful from uh, Lisa Sue saying, why don't you do some homework? Kind of started like that. It, it was a little taking back, but it turned out that she was right. I need to do some homework. Jimmy Chill. Right. Well, the guys that right. didn't like say- it. The guys that didn't like AMD, they were in a box for 10 hours without a lot of air holes. Uh, Jim, a lot more to get to with you uh, as you're on, on the road today. We'll get to talk about shares of Ulta, up more than 180% since Mary Dillon became CEO back in 2013. She'll talk about her company's game plan for growth. Uh, we'll get Kramer's Mad Dash. We'll cover more upgrades and even price target increases today for FedEx, Apple, Microsoft, McDonald's, and Twitter in a moment. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. get to the bond pits a little early this morning. Rick Santelli's at the CME in Chicago. Good morning, Rick. Good morning, Carl. You know, we are seeing a parallel shift on the interest rates uh, along the treasury curve. All maturities are basically up one, almost two basis points, acting quite firm. Uh, These are year-to-date intradays all strung together. Of all the trading days in 2020, you see the two-year note yield there. 
you know, not, not a huge amount of movement. Obviously, we've lifted off some of our worst levels based on geopolitical forces. But you can see the 10-year note yield kind of lagging a little bit there. We have seen a, the remains of a flattening curve based on uh, the earlier Iranian situation, of course, uh, regarding the general. Now, if we look at two weeks of S&P 500 on top of 10-year note yields, you will see they are tracking nicely. As a matter of fact, you know... <laughs> Most people I deal with in interest rates have been bullish stocks for three years. Now, we hear about upgrades, and we see that interest rates are being pulled up by stocks. Upgrades are just many companies, of course, that were underestimated in terms of their stock performance. And I think interest rates uh, can be included in the notion that as equities continue their big charge, uh, they're going to be affected. So we want to see how tenure, for example, act in the mid-190s how the two-year note yield acts in the 165 area. If you look at the dollar one, uh, the dollar continues to depreciate, the one appreciate. We talked about the tell the other day. They're coming and signing. We see that was a good uh, observation based on that relationship. Finally, a year to date of the dollar index. It continues to do quite well, hovering at some of the best levels in two weeks. David and Jim, back to you. Okay, we will take it. Rick gives us a little time now as we get ready for an opening bell. To do a uh, a mad dash. I was trying to think of the corridor here, New York to Washington corridor. Usually we go cross country, Jim, but today you're not that far away. No, it's Amtrak. Uh, it's an Amtrak, though. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's the Amtrak, which is doing very well, by the way, under uh, Richard Anderson. Did much better. Remember it got here almost on time. CEO took over. Time. Yeah. yeah, yeah. One day they'll even make, get it going past 50 miles an hour. It'll be amazing. Uh, what do you got for the mad dash? A bullet train I've got for you. I got Bristol Mars this morning. J.P. Morgan talks lovingly about the deal with Celgene, saying that you're going to see numbers about six bucks. That's incredibly cheap for Bristol Myers, about 10 times earnings. Don't forget, next week is the J.P. Morgan Healthcare Conference. I think Bristol Myers could be one of the stars because of the merger with Celgene. The numbers go up dramatically. Yeah, well, you were positive on it for quite some time when there was uh, opposition to the potential uh, transaction and when shareholders certainly didn't seem particularly uh, excited by it. No, there were a lot um, of chowderheads and uh, sparkies and stuff. Oh, I'm sorry, I'm Jimmy Chill. There were people who were ill-advised in their negativity. And you are, are you, you are positive as well, I guess, at this point for the combination of what it can achieve. If anyone spent 30 seconds with Dr. Cafario, who's the CEO, <laughs> they would realize that Eliquis may be an incredible wonder drug. Uh, this is a drug that, uh, that does uh, blood thinning. It's anti-stroke. Let's call it anti-stroke. Uh, Updevo is doing very well. Revlimid is doing incredibly well, David. And what, what happens if Revlimid continues to do well before the patent cliff? Well, that gives Cafario a lot more money to do a lot more buyback, which he is addicted to. He likes to return capital to shareholders. I like this guy. He's very good. He's from Italy, David. He's real smart. All right. Uh, stay right there, Jim. We'll be back to you shortly. As a reminder, you can always watch us live on the go on the CNBC app. Stick around. we got a lot more Squawk on the Street straight ahead. An opening bell, of course, coming up. Welcome to the Canva guided meditation for stress at work. Impending deadline? Generate Canva presentations in seconds. So fast. Brainstorm got too big? Summarize with AI in a click. Click, 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 click. Writer's block? Release with Canva Magic Write. Stress less and save time at canva.com. Designed for work. This episode is brought to you by AARP. 
Ten years from today, Lisa Schneider will trade in her office job to become the leader of a pack of dogs. As the owner of her own dog rescue, that is. A second act made possible by the reskilling courses Lisa's taking now with AARP to help make sure her income lives as long as she does. And she can finally run with the big dogs. And the small dogs, who just think they're big dogs. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Learn more at aarp.org skills. So following yesterday's intraday high for both the S&P and the NASDAQ, looks like the Dow may actually join the party today. Needs 128 points to do it. And futures suggest we'll get there at the open, which happens in about six minutes. You're watching CNBC Squawk on the Street, live from the financial capital of the world. The opening bell in about three minutes. Busy uh, Thursday morning here as we have some record highs within sight. Uh, meantime, sales of Apple's iPhone in China for the month of December up more than 18% year on year. That's according to some government data. Companies shipping roughly 3.2 million phones, up from 2.7 million a year earlier. People watching Chinese New Year coming up later this month as a big gift-giving holiday. And then Jeffries today, guys, goes from 285 to 350. One more price target with a wow. solid three-handle today. Right, it's almost 50 bucks above where we are. It's always hard to know which numbers to listen to when it comes to China, but these sound potentially more official. Of course, we have to wait for the quarter to be reported by the company itself to sort of see. But, Jim, that would be a positive, no doubt, given how often there have been concerns overall about their market share in that country. 369 days ago, they gave us a forecast that was dramatically lower, $7 million miss. Why? Because of shortfall in China. What a difference a new product makes. We don't talk enough about how what happened. Step function from the 10 to the 11. People love the camera. People love the battery life. It really resonates. It wasn't just an incremental change. And those who have the 11 know that they're wild about it, especially because it takes pictures better than anything I've ever seen. It's certainly resonating in China. This is a belief that what's happened is also they're not boycotting, they're buying. They do seem to be, yeah. Uh, we don't talk as often about boycotts. In fact, we should mention, of course, reports that uh, the Chinese delegation will be on its way here, I think, early next week, Carl, right, to sign phase one uh, of the trade deal. Yeah. And uh, that's an important moment, certainly, that we're waiting for. It does yeah. remain a, a big uh, question mark. The vice premier is going to come and do a signing on Wednesday of next week, Jim. We still... We still don't know what we're going to see in the way of text, right? Is this going to be a, a vague promise? Or are we actually going to get a multi-page readout of what the two sides are putting their names to? Well, what I like is that subtly they're giving us things. Remember that American Express being able to uh, have their own unit. PayPal has their own unit. Uh, they've got it. I think if they would, were to approve, uh, approve the Mellanox deal for NVIDIA, that would be that would be something that would be very special uh, just because they've held that up for months for no particular reason. But what I do worry about is that is this is one of my if I do have worries, it's the belief that there'll be no phase two. And if it's just this one and then the president says they haven't moved fast enough, they're not doing enough. Because I know the president's not particularly happy about what I would describe as the more ethereal issues, intellectual property, theft. Uh, those are not really addressed by this. This is really more of a trade deal. I'd like to see, where is the $50 billion pork, David? Where's the $50 billion pork pot? Yeah, well, that's a key question, of course. As you pointed out so often, they've been uh, crushed over there in terms of their pork supply, given the swine flu. Um, but, Jim, a lot of people point to the numbers as being simply unreachable, in a sense, given where 
they've been previously in terms of the highs and what would be required of China in terms of the additional buying? Well, I just think there would have been a time when they would have put an order for $50 billion in Boeing planes, David. Uh, I think Boeing remains a central issue in the American economy, whether it be with jobs or exports. Uh, Boeing was the way that the Chinese often signaled that, that they were ready to do business. Now we're really limited to these ag deals. It's not enough. They've got to do something else. I'd like to see more money spent here. And you know why I say that? Because we're going to get a tweet which says, where's the buy? The president is going to signal that they better start buying. It's not enough to just let us do a little more business. Where are the buys? Where are the tractor buys? Where's Caterpillar? Where's trucks? they got to start buying our stuff. Oh, we're going to wait for clarity on that for sure. There's the opening bell, by the way. Air Lease Corp uh, ringing the bell, celebrating its 10th anniversary. We'll talk to the CEO of the aircraft leasing company in about half an hour. Over the NASDAQ, it's uh, Immunovin, a biopharma focused on treating autoimmune diseases ahead of, uh, obviously, Jim, big healthcare conference next week. I wonder what you're looking for uh, on that front as we prep for what's one of the biggest conferences of the year. It's immunotherapy. I, I think that what dovetails with that J.P. Morgan conference was the numbers from the American Cancer Society. I'm not saying we're curing cancer. I am saying that you see people. Look, a, a Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg, how did she become cancer free? How did Orange Sorensen from Marriott, how did he get back to where he's jogging every day? What's happening is that we are doing targeted medicine. And that's what I think is going to be the theme of the conference. Meantime, record highs. Uh, another hat trick today, David. Dow, S&P, NASDAQ. Keep moving higher. Yeah. Yeah, with the S&P up over half a percent right now and uh, in positive territory to the tune of 1.2% so far year to date. It's funny, Jim, you mentioned this, of course, at the top of the show. We began this week with a lot of concerns. You were amongst those who were concerned, perhaps, in the belief that the market was not discounting enough the possibilities of significant geopolitical tensions. But here we are a few days later, and we're back to focusing on fundamentals, and seemingly that threat has receded. Well, David, we had a bear market. It, it just happened at 8.30 at night. We, down, we were down 2%. I was really worried about that. We had it. A lot of people sold the futures down magnificently stupidly. Oh, I, 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 I don't. I vowed 2020 to be a nice person. And uh, that was the decline. If that had happened during the day, you would have seen a vicious sell-off, and that would have been the moment. You didn't get the moment. And, and my bad was I didn't think that the bear market would occur at 8.30 at night. Yeah, S&P futures up more than 90 points in two days. Uh, pretty crazy. Short interest, Jim, and in the SPY, now a two-year low. Uh, I mean, at what point do you start saying ring the register here? Well, look, I, I think that when we get to earnings, uh, they better be fabulous. Uh, the setup for the bank stocks is the worst I've ever seen. I mean, I've never seen a chorus of people who want to buy the bank stocks. And so when they deliver good numbers, is that going to be enough? Uh, I don't know. I wish that people would shut up. Let the companies report. Goldman Sachs is up 40 points on a basically uh, without a resolution in Malaysia, uh, without anything that tells us that uh, that this new uh, transformation is going to be meaningful. City, we didn't even mention it during this half hour. Stock of the decade. Stock of the decade. <laughs> I, I don't like stocks of the decade. I don't like that. I regard yeah. that as too bullish. Uh, let's, for, let's remember, guys, for 2030, just to make sure to look back and call them out on that. Yeah. <laughs> in case City was not the stock of the decade, just saying. I will be 45, <laughs> and I'm coming let's back. Put that in the calendar. There, you know, I'm on a turn back time tour for my body. 
I'm going back to it's a short tour. And I'm going back. You know, honestly, I'll be 45 when this thing is the end of the decade. Um, Jim, it does lead us to some of the secondary upgrades today. Barclays up Starbucks. I know you're watching that oh, uh, as great. they go to 107. Outsized global fundamental growth. Look, when the stock was at 81, I met with Kevin Johnson, CEO. We'll probably see him when he reports earnings out at the Air Force Academy. And he said to me, what's the stock doing at 81? I'm, I'm backing up the truck. I warned him. When you use phrase like backing up the truck, you better be right. Well, he was. Look at that thing. That thing was at 99. By the way, I'm sure China sales for Nike and Starbucks are going to be as good as they are for Apple. China is buying our stuff. Uh, but it's, I think, really a case where the party's not going to come down on you if you buy our stuff. Although uh, people still looking at Luckin, Jim. I mean, it's sort of actually a nice analog for a lot of things that we talk about. You want China to buy our stuff, but in the meantime, they're busy developing their own internally grown companies, even in things like coffee. Well, I got thrown off because Luckin apparently doesn't start serving coffee until 9, 9 a.m. Uh, to me, I thought they missed the kind of key hours. But I think that China's got its own strategy for when it drinks coffee. Well, it's, uh, it's a tea market, as we all know, right? Right. Yes, although every time there's a Starbucks conference call, I'm always sh- shocked by those per capita coffee consumption numbers because they are so incredibly low, which does point to the overall opportunity that you could imagine, Jim, which is Starbucks will continue to benefit from the growth of coffee overall. Let's not forget, you do kind of get addicted to it, right? Uh, and it doesn't mean that Luckin won't also succeed. It's, it's a growing marketplace over there. And again, yeah, their people- coffee per capita co- coffee consumption numbers are so low. Have they even seen, like, for the pumpkin latte? I mean, it, uh, Carl referenced earlier this week some new drinks that, that Starbucks has. I mean, they're, they sound eccentric, but maybe they're going to catch on in Beijing. We don't know. Uh, for sure. And by the way, also, uh, SunTrust takes McDonald's to 250, uh, which uh, we'll watch. Uh, Snapchat, Jim, uh, Jeffries goes to buy, uh, goes from 17 to 20 based on this uh, ad buyer survey that they've got. The title of the report is not disappearing anytime soon. I'm reminded that uh, this was a $6 name uh, roughly in the middle of last year. It, they're talking about uh, very good revenue growth. They're talking about advertising coming on. They're talking about margin expansion, uh, talking about having a great year. The stock is inexpensive on the out years. I mean, it's eight times sales right now, so it's expensive versus, say, Facebook. Uh, no, uh, there's just no resistance to the stock going higher. Uh, it's incredible how everybody loves Snap at 17. Who didn't like it at, say, 10, 11? Hey, but, uh, guys, have you seen Facebook going up every day? Did something happen? Yeah. What happened there? The government? Um, no. I but, mean, that's still a threat, but everybody seems to think it's, not a, a long, it's a long-term concern, not one that's going to actually bite this year, Jim. They do continue to... Every day there's a story on Facebook, Carl. You follow it closely, too, in terms of how they're changing things. Today's was the potential to opt out of certain ads in a more significant way, I guess. Kinder, gentler. I mean, they're t- Kinder gentler. They're clearly not. They're going to be open to political advertising in a barn burner of, a, of an advertising year, uh, allowing politicians to say what they want and uh, let voters sort of figure out the truth for themselves. It reminds me, too, Jim, of Twitter. I know you were watching uh, yesterday the news that they're testing the ability to let users block uh, the ability to reply or tailor even the ability to reply from just a few select followers. Um, I don't know. I mean, we'll see whether that makes a difference in engagement. There's some people who can't take the heat. Uh, Twitter obviously uh, kind of uh, seeded that 
terrific political market to Facebook. I, I think that Facebook, a lot of people felt that they would drop targeted ads. They're not doing that. Uh, if you can imagine your mayor, Bloomberg, how are you, you going to reach people? Do you write a check to Mark Zuckerberg for $100 million? Maybe. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Uh, you go door to door with your checkbook. It'll work for Michael yeah. Bloomberg. Um, Fang, man. Wow. Fang is still on Fang fire. Fang is so uh, strong. I mean, I mean whoever created Fang and Watch. Fang yeah. and Watch. That guy is amazing. He's amazing. He's, a, is, he's, he's amazing. a legendary Wall Street funny man. Yes, in his own mind, too. Yeah. Yeah. All right, uh, Jim, we're going to do a favor report. I know you like to uh, watch those very closely. I wish you were next to, next to me to make funny faces at me, as you typically do. Did want to come back on HP Xerox, of course, the running battle out there right now. These are not FANG stocks, by the way. Of course, both looking for growth wherever they can find it. One reason why perhaps some of their shareholders would embrace the idea of a combination of the two and the synergies and the cost that would be saved as a, as a result of, uh, of that combination. Uh, we did get a response uh, late yesterday from HP's board to the latest offer from Xerox. They didn't change their offer, but they did fully finance it, remember, signing up some $24 billion in total potential financing for the offer that they have in mind for HP. What's interesting about the response is not that it's a no, because that's perhaps not a surprise, but that it was uh, it was terse. It was uh, it was not a long letter detailing all the different reasons why their offer is no good. It really just said very simply, uh, your proposal, your letter dated uh, the sixth, uh, regarding financing, doesn't address the key issue, which is price. You undervalue HP. It's not a va- uh, potential for discussion. So what now? Well. In many ways, you could imagine Xerox gets that and actually looks at it as a positive because they say, okay, okay, now we know what it's about. And as I pointed out, we were reporting on the financing uh, that they had secured. Uh, There is certainly the possibility, if not the likelihood, that at some point along the way, they're going to raise their offer. The question is when you do it and how you do it uh, and how you stage things from here if you are, in fact, uh, Xerox and sort of moving towards what will be a proxy fight. The window for nominating directors will close in a few weeks. One would expect... Uh, very much so that that would be the first thing they do, file their slate, indicate, of course, their willingness to go and their willingness to fight for control of the board. Then at some point, you also probably institute an exchange offer, tender offer of some kind. But none of this means you increase your price at this point, or at least right now. You know, one of the lessons in hostels is you don't bid against yourself. People certainly still seem to believe that. But the sense, I think, that the Xerox side is getting, at least based on this response, is, okay, we're in the game. And the game is about price at this point, although it can have a circular effect. Remember, they increase the price, they increase the debt on the on the overall company. So really, you're just leveraging the balance sheet of HP to help HP shareholders pay themselves. But it may be something they're interested in. It is the battle for the hearts and minds of shareholders that continues to go on uh, right now. But it was clear, at least uh, based on what I was hearing, that they were going to come out and say no. Valuation is their first order uh, exercise. Uh, and financing was nice, but it doesn't mean that they've answered the questions at Xerox. Still, seen as an overall positive, I think next will be the proxy and the slate, and then after that, and perhaps an exchange offer at some point comes along with that. And then, if they get to some sort of sit-down is when you really do say, okay, we're willing to increase the price. But, Jim, it does appear at this point they're moving along the right way in terms of at least their hopes and dreams of actually being able to acquire this thing as unlikely as it seemed at the beginning. 
Yeah, I mean, one thing I want to keep track of is how well is Xerox doing? The actual fundamentals. Uh, they just seem to be doing okay. Uh, HP doing better, obviously really constrained by Intel not having chips. Uh, I think that if Intel had chips, HP would be substantially higher, and therefore Xerox would have to pay more, and I don't know if they could do it. Yeah. Uh, Carl, we'll uh, keep watching, of course, as it is one of the long-running interesting battles going on right now. Yeah, this one, this is a hot one. It's, and it, yeah. it's like they're going to keep going into the spring. Yeah. Meantime, guys, uh, we'll turn to Ulta Beauty, one of the top 10 best-performing names over the last decade, rising nearly 1,300% in that time. Mary Dillon has been the CEO of Ulta for the majority of that, and she's here at Post 9 in a CNBC exclusive. I know Jim wishes he were here. Mary, it's great to have you. Thank Welcome. you. It's wonderful to be here. Thank you so much. Stock's doing well today, close to a four-month high as we sort of get a report card on holiday. Are we, are we starting to answer for those middle-of-the-year, last-year concerns about the category, about makeup? Well, let me step back and say we are thrilled about the 10-year run that we've had, but we think we have so much runway ahead. But if you go back in the last 10 years, we've gone from about 300 stores to over 1,200. Our sales went from a billion to over 7 billion. We're the number one destination for teens, so this is all good. And, you know, about mid-year last year, we talked about makeup as a category being a little softer than previous years. The beauty of the Ulta Beauty business model is we operate in every category of beauty. So skincare is on fire, hair care, um, you know, fragrance. And makeup we know is going to come back. There's plenty of engagement in makeup, plenty. It's just we're looking for some new incremental innovation. Do you think it's something structural where I don't know, millennials, social media has changed the way we think of makeup? Or is it more of a share gain from a disintegrating department store atmosphere? I'd say there's always shifting consumer behavior in every consumer category. People are very into makeup. Gen Z, very into makeup. And so we see new trends coming. Everything from skincare, which is starting younger, which will stay with our guests forever. Makeup that's maybe a more natural look, but also makeup that's even things like sequins and glitter on your eyes. I don't think you've tried that, but no. trust me, it's a thing. No, so. Dave, if David does, I mean. David has. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 well, you know, Mary, you have talked a number of times, of course, recently about the looks and trends that are evolving, uh, and you know it's going to take time to bring newness and innovation. You yes. just said it right there. I guess some of your shareholders, who are not unhappy with you, of course, nonetheless want to sort of get a better sense. When is that newness and innovation going to then mark an uptrend in the category yeah. that's been down for, what, a couple of years now? It's, it's been down for the last year a bit, just makeup. But again, beauty in total is up. Let me reiterate, we are gaining market share in makeup and in every category. So our business model, we know, is really set for the past 30 years as well as the future 50 years. And so it'll just take a little bit of time, but we're not concerned about it. What we see happening, like I said, is younger consumers getting very engaged in skincare. That's a trend they're going to keep with them their whole lives as they then get into the makeup business as well. So our brand partners, big and small, are have all sorts of innovation coming. You know, it's a, you can't say exactly when, but we feel confident. It's a, you know, these are cycles. Cycles happen in businesses all the time. Jim? Mary, uh, there's something... First of all, congratulations on all, all of your success Thank over the you. years. Uh, a lot of companies, even great retail companies, try to get to have 10, 12, 15 million loyalty people. You have more than 10% of the country in your loyalty plan. How's that possible? Well, thank you for asking. We have over 33 million beauty enthusiasts passionately in our loyalty program, Ultimate Rewards, because we think we offer a great program that they love. Our store teams really help educate our guests about the benefits of it. And over time, we've been investing in capabilities to make the offers to our guests even more personalized and relevant every day. So we surprise and delight them. We encourage them to come and spend you know, with Ulta Beauty, and it's showing in the numbers. We're driving market share gains 
our brand awareness is at an incredible high, and teens love us, and that bodes very well for the future. I love the site, and there's some great, there's some great bargains. Thank you. You've, you've done something else that I think is incredible. You realized that there wasn't a lot of innovation in some part of cosmetics. You, just like Fabrizio Freda, who is a great CEO of mine, I know works closely right. with you at Estee Lauder, you were able yeah. to pivot to skincare. I don't think people recognize how incredible that was. Could you? I know, I mean, I'm going to brag for you. Most people couldn't make that adjustment in a quarter. You did it. Uh, how much better? The margins of skincare are pretty good, aren't they? Well, sure, they are. And I give a lot of credit to my team. You know, we're always out learning about what's hot and what's happening in beauty. Skincare, and as you mentioned, Fabrizio is an expert at knowing global beauty trends. It's been a trend for some period of time. So we've been participating. We do services in our in every Ulta Beauty store, as you know, from hair care to skin services, makeup and brow services. And we've been adding a tremendous number of new innovative brands. And what's cool about skincare is new rituals are being formed. You know, things like masks and serums that didn't exist many years ago. And as I said, younger people starting, women my age and older men in the skincare category. So it's a really great business to be in. Can you comment directly on holiday and uh, your inventory strategy going into this year? What does that look well, like? Well, you know, listen, we're still in the quarter, so I can't say a lot about it. But holiday is a great time of year for Ulta Beauty because we can participate in gift giving as well as we call it glamming. So when you're going to all the holiday events, the thing that I will say about holiday is like many retailers, we've seen that consumer shopping patterns continue to evolve. And retailers who are set up well to have a great in-store experience, a great online experience, and omnichannel, the ability to buy online and pick up in store, that we are set up to do all of that, and that was very helpful for us throughout holiday. You mentioned the number of locations, but is physical presence less important? It's yeah, such a great question. And listen, we believe, I believe to our core that beauty is an experience that will always be physical and digital and emotional and about really human connection. And so the vast majority of our sales happen in our stores. Why? Because our guests love to come and try, you know, look at a color, smell a fragrance, have an experience with one of our associates. That's cool. But they also need to make sure that we can be conveniently uh, ready for them whenever they need it. So we need to play in all places, and, we're, and our stores are doing quite well. Yeah, so that said, I'm curious as to how you think about expansion from here. What, over 1,200 stores. I know the Canadian market beckons as well. I mean, how should we be thinking about 2020 in terms of store opening? Yeah, we plan to continue to grow in the U.S. We've stated publicly that our range is, you know, 14 to 17. 1,700 stores in the U.S. We think we have the potential to be at that level, so more coming. And then we've already announced that we plan to become a global beauty retailer. So Canada is first up to bat, and we can't divulge a lot of details right now, but we're in the process of getting ready to launch a Canada, which we think is going to be a fantastic market for us. Jim's got one more question. Jim? Mary, uh, you anticipate a lot of trends, and one of the things that I found is, is that younger people they are going away from what I regard as being the long label cosmetics. Uh, you are ready with vegan, ready with cruelty free. You are addressing uh, basically the environmental issues. How is that working? Because I think a lot of the younger people are turned off by tradition. Well, you're absolutely right. The trend about clean is here and it's here to stay in beauty. I started my career in the food industry. It took a long time for I'd say natural and organic to become mainstream and obviously it is now. In beauty, it's happening. We're participating with so many exciting brands. We just launched a brand called Thrive Cosmetics, which is vegan and cruelty-free. We have many brands that we uh, offer to our guests in that place. We know that's a trend that's going to continue, whether it's in skincare, makeup, or everything in beauty. 
Well, congratulations on the decade. Thank you. Uh, and we can't wait to hear more uh, when the quarter ends. Thank you so much. Mary Dillon, Great to be here. Thank you. Also beauty. Uh, be sure to check out our podcast. You can listen to the opening bell hour, Squawk on the Street, wherever you listen to podcasts. Dow's up 125, and we are at 3267. Record highs across the uh, board at the Open. Dow's up 131 right now, led by three names that got positive commentary this morning, namely Apple, Goldman, and Coke. We'll get stopped trading with Jim after a short break. It's time for Jim and Stop Trading. Sometimes you just want to take the other side of the trade. Right here, Bed Bath & Beyond. Mark Tritton, late of target, coming in. There was no chance. He's there for 60 days. He's now ready to work. I'm seeing an opportunity. Maybe let it go to 12, 13. It doesn't matter. This thing is prematurely being judged. I like what he's doing. Wow, that's a nice contrarian call there, Jim. Have to go that way. This guy's the real deal. The balance sheet's real. He can turn it around. It's going to take a long time. But he's got a lot of good things. He had five great days where he demonstrated a new way to be able to sell. It was right between Thanksgiving and Cyber Monday. Don't give up on this man. He just started. David, be more forgiving. Okay, I will try, Jim. He means in general, not on yes. BBY. <laughs> yes. And I am going to Jim. make faces. I'm Jimmy Chill, but that doesn't mean I can't make faces. <laughs> Jim, what's on Mad tonight? I've got the single best way to play China post phase one. If we really get phase one, one of the things I'm down here doing some research on, I've got the name to buy. And you all want to tune in, and you all kind of know it, but it's not what you're thinking. Have a good time measuring the curtains at the Federal Reserve while you're down there. I'm kidding. Speechless. Twice. I'm kidding. Twice in one hour. <laughs> I'm kidding. You've been listening to the opening bell on CNBC's Squawk on the Street. People today can spend half their lives over 50. So it's good to be financially ready for what's important to you as you get older, like a family vacation. Or starting your dream business. Welcome to Connie's Coffee. How may I help you? AARP's trusted financial tools can help you plan for whatever your future holds. That's why the younger you are, the more you need AARP. Start planning today at aarp.org slash money tools.